Viskningar och rop. 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 Musik. Pictures podcast where we're going to talk about every single movie released by New World Pictures and welcome to the final episode of June Gloom and boy do we have a gloomy one for you in this episode. I'm Ryan with me as always is Mark. I don't know I feel like this has been this month's been like a cool eucalyptus oil (laughs) towelette just on my face just helping me cool down and feel ready for the day. (laughs) <laughs> that towelette sounds gross and erica hey guys thanks for having me i'm really glad to be here really looking forward to recording tonight's episode we are recording we're doing it right now oh fantastic <laughs> let's go but we we can also do it later yeah, we, we can we can do yeah, this we can do it later we'll do another one yeah, later right yeah let's just go let's do it let's go for it <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, let's do it now. We'll, let's, let's do it now. Going. We'll keep doing what Why we're not? doing. And we can, at the end, we can decide whether we want to do this all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's Monday and I'm in pain. So it's time for 1972's Cries and Whispers. Would you mind listening to me for a little while? Only a moment. I just want to tell you that I have made a film for you, perhaps just for you. I wrote a screenplay about four women who met for a few days in dramatic circumstances. (laughs) I asked four magnificent, wonderful actresses who are my friends to play the four parts. Harriet Andersson, Ingrid Thulin, Kari Sylvan, and Liv Ullmann. I asked my friend Sven Nyqvist to do the camera work as usual. I asked the rest of my colleagues to come once more to my aid. We found an old manor house in a silent park. For 40 days, we were making a film which we liked. It is called Whispers and Cries. If you ask me whether it is a good or a bad film, I don't know. All I know is that it is a film dear to my heart. That is why I asked you to see it. I want you to like it. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> I believe all directors say that in one way or another. <laughs> That's right. 1972's Cries and Whispers. Whispers or, and Cries. Translated from Swedish directly, 
whispers and shouts. <laughs> Brought to you by a single candle. Is it dark where you are? Is the power out? Then make sure to light up a single candle. It's all you need to help you see it all, including the diary you received as restitution for a dozen years of care and service. It's all you need. It's all you need. Uh, one single taper candle. That's, That's it. Uh, it's what you're it lo- for, each of you are getting one for Christmas. Oh. So, sorry, spoiler, but yes, yeah. make it last because uh, <laughs> don't use it for a long time. This is uh, directed and I guess written, right? Uh, this is directed and written by Ingmar Bergman, who was coming off of a disappointment with The Touch, his uh, English language, first English language film that he did before this, which it was uh, starred El- Elliot Gould. And that was a box office disappointment coupled with the film before that. They both didn't do very well. Um, Maybe it's because he didn't ask the audience to like it. He he didn't ask them explicitly. That's why why he made this one for us. Hold down. I I can't write all this down. (laughs) Just slow down, guys. These are important notes. You know what? Hey, everybody out there. I hope you like this podcast. Done, guys. We Dude. made it for That's you. A wrap. We made this for you. Maybe ex- just exactly for you. Yeah. We made this yeah. for you. I actually yeah. asked a couple of my friends. Yeah. If they would be in it. And, and they yeah. obliged. They're they're both very good at recording podcasts and talking about New World Pictures movies. <laughs> um, yeah. And the podcast is called Podcast Pictures New World. <laughs> <laughs> That's we what we're called enjoy. in Sweden. That's what we're called in Sweden. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is a little bit he says about the touch from his book, Images. Here's here's what he has to say about the touch. The touch was supposed to make a lot of money for its author. I'm assuming himself. <laughs> I have probably resisted the temptation to make money more often than I have yielded to it. But there were times when I did yield completely, and I have inevitably lived to regret it. Mm. The story I bungled so badly was based on something extremely personal to me. Cries and whispers began to make its way forward during this depressing period. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) I read that because it's like, yeah. Yeah, no no doubt. You were going through something when you wrote this little baby up. It was a very Uh, tough subject matter to be a commercial (laughs) film, in hindsight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. <laughs> Speaking of the title, by the way, he actually, uh, this is a title inspired by a music review of a Mozart quartet that said it was like cries and whispers. So uh, that's what he based things on. As we'll go through this, he based a lot of things on just various things and then just threw it all together into this movie. Crazy sweets. And the result is whatever you think of this film, which you can watch in a variety of places. You can watch it on the Criterion channel. You can watch it on Max. Sorry, HBO fans. You have to watch it on Max. There's also a Criterion Blu-ray. That's how we watched it. How did you watch it, Mark? I watched it on Vimeo. Okay. It's also available on YouTube. Uh, So you can find it that way. Uh, The the Criterion Blu-ray looked very good. Uh, uh, Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm glad it looked good, Ryan. I mean, it is yeah. Criterion. Yeah, it did look <laughs> good. 
Not so often I, you're like, this I, is a Criterion Collection one, but it doesn't look that great. They, yeah, it looks like they shit. Kinda, it they looks like breezed shit. over this one. Yeah, but, you know, this one look, kind of looks like crap. Uh, let's get into what this movie is about. Uh, Mark, let's start with you. What is Cries and Whisp- Whispers and Cries about? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about, you know, just because your sister's doctor is undeniably fuckable. It doesn't make him a good good doctor. It's okay to shop around for a doctor that Undeniable. needs... Undeniable. <laughs> it's okay to shop around for a doctor that meets your specific needs, whether that's right. cancer care right. or vagina care. What was he the doctor of? The doctor of love is what he was. <laughs> I think he was a doctor getting around, getting free meals. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and you know that he, he obviously those free meals have been pulled away from him too many times because he mm-hmm. eats fast. He's fast. He gets down to yeah. business. He's like, he let me like, drink this wine. Let me get I this got, meal down. I we got five minutes and I'm out. I do not want someone to come by and take this plate away from me. Well, he's got to digest before, before. <laughs> Sexy time. <laughs> That's true. That's very That's true. Right. That's right. want to have sexy time on a full That's stomach. Right. That's right. He Erica, also likes is... when a woman gets real close and just watches him eat. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah. Maria does. Yeah. And I, I, I'll, I'll bring that up later because it might have been one of the things I hated. Oh. Oh, okay. might? Well, might. Still on the fence. Might. Still on the fence. Still figuring we'll it see. out. Mm-hmm. Still figuring it out. We'll see. As you're saying, we're doing it live. Yeah. Erica, what is this movie about? I don't know what it's about, Ryan, but my biggest takeaway was that you should marry somebody who is as dramatic as you are. <laughs> mm. Yep. So keep that levels the same. Yeah. You need you need to you need to marry at, uh-huh. at your drama level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it will never work. Right. But mm-hmm. if you marry at your drama level. It's going to last through, so, through anything. As, as much as they were experiencing some infidelities, sounds like Maria's marriage is, is doing A-OK. Yeah. Because they yeah. are both oh, equally yeah. dramatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Well, I thought this movie was uh, obviously about the supernatural. It's a Swedish oh. ghost story. Did we put this in the wrong month? Should we have saved this for August? Oh, August? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I, a dream <laughs> sequence does not make a movie a ghost story. Uh, she comes back from the dead, Mark. She grabs hold of her sister's face. Mm. <laughs> um, I think that, to me, I took that as a dream sequence. She I talked also, to both of them. I also see no reason why Anna needed to take her shirt off in order to console uh, her caretaker. Oh, what kind but, of... <laughs> um, what is your... <laughs> What is your insurance plan? Uh, you're already getting, you're having sex with the doctor. You're going to get a titty from the maid. I mean, that's only, that's how it works. Here. I actually am trying to find how can I work that into my care for anything that goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> can I, right. is that something right. I can, how, what, when how, you're in the throes of cancer, you're looking for yeah. a lactation specialist. Yeah. I got to call Kaiser and be like, what is on this plan? Exactly. Yeah. I'm just curious what this covers. Have you seen Whispers and Cries? <laughs> I mean, it's clearly not going to cure anything. No, but it might make you feel but, a whole lot better. Yeah. It's, uh, but anyway, letterbox synopsis. Let's get into that. As Agnes slowly dies of cancer, her sisters are so deeply immersed in their own psychic pains. So they're reading other people's minds? Well, 
and it, and it causes them pain. <laughs> or they can see the future, I guess. That they can't offer her the support she needs. I would say their emotional unavailability is what is why they can't offer her the support she needs. But right. anyway, Maria is racked with guilt at her husband's suicide. Her husband does not commit suicide. He does stab himself. Yeah, but he Drama doesn't. King. He doesn't <laughs> die because he comes back at the end. Yeah. After the funeral for mm-hmm. Agnes, so mm-hmm. he's back there. Yeah, he's just doing an attention stab. Unless that was a we've flash all done it forward. We've, was that a flash forward that I we think saw? It was, we, I, I don't know. Maybe this movie does jump around a little bit. Mm-hmm. It jumps around a time, but does, you don't he know. He does a series. You know, sometimes it's like the didn't really not. You're just seeking attention with that attempt at suicide. He went full bore. He fully put a sword into his belly. He, he, he I thought he found a giant letter opener mm-hmm. and got himself in the gut there. Yeah, but. Yeah. yeah, he, like a complete drama king, stabs himself in the stomach with a letter opener. <laughs> and his wife up. stands in the doorway and just says, no, and walks <laughs> away. Early, Mark hinted at things he hated. I, friends, am hinting at things I loved. <laughs> so, help me. No. But, yeah. I want to be very clear, just, just uh, you know, semantics here. A sword can also open a letter. That's true. That's true. You guys are getting hung up on letter opener. I'm saying Mm -hmm. a sword can open a letter as well as be used to stab yourself. So, Mark, so listeners, Mark is fucking badass when he opens up a letter. (laughs) He's like, he tears it in half. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I tear it in half. Then I use a sword just to cut up the envelope into little pieces. No, well, I meant you could tear up the letter with the sword. Mark only opens uh, letters up with a broadsword, so it's very large, way too large for the job. Unless Uh, it's a large Amazon package. I I mean, you have to have the right tool for the job. That's so true. Ryan, come on. Uh, Okay, so she's racked with guilt at her husband's suicide caused by by his discovery of her extramarital affair. I'm not sure he commits suicide, and I guess it's because he discovers it. We don't really know. Who knows? It could have been because the soup was too cold. This guy's dramatic. Everyone in this movie is fucking sad. So it's like, is he sad about the affair? I don't know. Perhaps. They all they're all sad, and they all don't communicate well with each other. So uh, that's what I was about to add. (laughs) Nobody communicates well with anybody. What he's sad about? I I don't know. He could have had a bad day at the office. He could have maybe got fired. We none of all these things could count, or none of them. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Uh, The self-loathing suicidal Karen uh, seems to regard her sister with revulsion. Only Anna, the deeply religious maid who lost her young child, seems able to offer Agnes solace and empathy. And titties. Yeah. Um, and titties. <laughs> I'm just got a little editorialism there, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Ah, oh, boy. Uh, well, when you when you change someone for twelve years, you get to know them. Yeah, for sure. You get she, to have an intimate knowledge of what they're all about, the good this, days and the bad days. How this movie started. Um, with uh, for for Igmar Bergman, he says in his book, the first image kept coming back over and over. The room draped all in red with women clad in white. That's the way it is. Images obstinately resurface without my knowing what they want with me. 
Then they disappear, only to come back looking exactly the same. Four women dressed in white in a big white room. A big so red room, right? Sorry, big red room. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yep. Four women dressed in white in a big red room. That's it, now that should be the letterbox synopsis. Done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we actually start in this image because we see Maria asleep in a chair and Agnes, the sister who's dying in agony in bed. And we actually watch her agonize in bed. Uh, and we've had no lines of dialogue. No. Nope. We watch her agonize for a long time. I mean, I, I think this is pretty accurate. I think it's about four hours. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think, felt like four hours. I think it's about four hours. Uh, mm-hmm. We watch her just squirm in bed in pain. Yeah. And um, Agnes, by the way, is played by Harriet Anderson, who started working with Bergman back in the 1950s. And like many of the actresses Bergman worked with, particularly in this movie, he she dated him briefly. Um, she had not appeared in one of his movies for 10 years. And then after this, she doesn't appear in another one of his movies for another 10 years when she appears in Franny and Alexander. Um, she does get a visit from the doctor. It's played by another Bergman regular, Erlen Josephson, uh, who, as we've mentioned, is probably the worst doctor you, <laughs> that is willing to make house calls. I, yeah. <laughs> but right. is inarguably the horniest doctor around. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, also, did he, does a, he comes over and just like touches her belly. Uh, and then really touches her a little lower and, and she grabs his hand and pulls it to her. And I'm like, did they have sex too? Is he just trying to have sex one, with the whole one family? One must assume that he I is, mean, he, he's, he's run through that whole family. He's like, they've all had a little taste. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh Jesus. He's the peanut brittle, the peanut brittle of that entire family. <laughs> Hundred percent. Everyone's passed it around. Everybody's had a had a bite. Mean, been like, I'm not hundred percent of my peanut brittle, but but I'm I'm still eating it. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still eating well, it. Well, why don't you take it? Because I don't think I can yeah, eat this just whole get box. Get away this from is me. Like a whole big box of it. It's yeah. very rich. And he also doesn't. Uh, he doesn't use soap when he washes his hands. No one. In fact, nobody no. in this movie understands the fundamentals of soap. At one point, the sisters bathe agnes after Mm -hmm. she's had an episode with just water and they switch her clothes out and i'm thinking maybe this is the fundamental problem there's a hygiene issue that's going Mm. on at the house that could be the cause or at least the acceleration of the issue i i don't know i just uh, long story short i felt like that red room probably smelled like ass yeah yeah oh for sure yeah for sure that's why they keep the door open for the most part, because they're like just trying to get a little fresh air in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't blame them for that. I do not blame them. Oh, that candle yikes. was working overtime. Yeah. <laughs> is this a scented candle? Is Your candle's like, I'm trying. Spice, right? I'm trying to... Pumpkin spice? This is a pumpkin shit. spice candle. We don't have pumpkin spice yet, right? It's the 1800s <laughs> oh, or whatever it is. It's just uh, beeswax. Shit. Well, it does yeah. smell nice in its own way. I don't know. We got to do something to cover the cover this. <laughs> <laughs> Anna's yeah. actually just trying to crop dust just to like add something new. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I never thought one could laugh at this movie. <laughs> oh, wow, we've done it. Oh done boy. It. Oh wow. But let's leave this happy scene and talk about Liv Ullman. She plays Marie, uh Agnes's sister. Also, she plays their mother in a flashback. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she's another Bergman regular. She started with Bergman back in 1966's Persona um, when she was 25. And she was at that point having an affair with Bergman in the mid to, uh, mid to late 60s. And actually, they have a daughter together that's born that same year. That daughter that then ends up playing uh, Marie's young uh, daughter in the film. Mm-hmm. And also uh, Anne's, Anna's daughter, who you only see from behind. Okay. Um, hmm. Liv would also will also appear or do, did appear. Liv also appeared in New World's other Bergman film, Autumn Sonata as well. All right. So we'll talk about her as well. Great. And Marie is as we were talking about very horny for the doctor. <laughs> and we see a flashback of their affair, I think, or flash forward if the husband caught wind of it, I don't know. But well, it, it, it it's trying to insinuate that the husband because the doctor stays the night which he seems to do all the time they're always like we made up a room for you right (laughs) but he stays the night and when she brings that up because god forbid he sees a sick person that's not living in a castle right (laughs) he's like you guys got an extra room or what the fuck what's this all about (laughs) he's very exclusive in his practice i checked your son's heartbeat where do i get to sleep (laughs) (laughs) tonight Also, it's around this time in the movie, which is about 22 minutes into the movie, that they introduce a narrator. Most movies don't yeah. wait 22 uh, right. minutes before they're like, oh, by the way, we, we got a narrator to carry the story along. Yeah. I think that's actually also uh, exclusively the English translation. Okay, English, well, that's the, English that's, adaptation. The, that's the version I watched. And I, I was very surprised. Like, wait a minute. did right. I? And I actually rewound it because I thought, did I miss narration before? <laughs> Right. Setting this movie up? No. The setup for the movie is 15 minutes of silence and screaming from yeah. Agnes as she's in excruciating pain. Yes. I don't I I'm not sure that, that was 20 minutes. I think that's gotta be at least it has to be at least a full hour of her screaming in pain. <laughs> and you don't know what's even happening yet. Yeah. My lord. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish people have nothing but patience. I really want to save those crazy Swedes. <laughs> Heck yeah, we do. A good way to drop that Heck in. Yeah, we do. That one didn't work. I'm trying. Uh, so this is how this movie works. It's actually created in a series of movements. This is how Bergman describes it in his book. There is going to be a theme and different movements. For instance, the first movement will be about this tangle of lies. This tangle of lies will go on for 20 minutes without interruption. Correction, it's going to be just Agnes moaning in pain for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. But maybe uh, she's lying about that. Maybe she feels fine. <laughs> Again, drama queen, just trying to get everyone's attention, trying to get them all in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dramatic. He says, it's possible to take away all the explanatory parts, all unnecessary and supportive lines and positions. Meaning they had to insert a narrator. We watched it yes. with in Swedish, and so I then watched it again and watched it partly in the um, the English dub, and that's when I heard a narrator. So I yeah. don't, you don't remember a narrator, I don't right? recall yeah. a narrator. Um, that said, if we watched it and there was a narrator, and we just don't remember, I mean, super possible too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's there's a lot going on and nothing going on, and everything is sort of like. Beautifully photographed, but just it sort is. of going in and out, you know? So you're sort of like, uh, okay. I mean, if a narrator had 
snuck in there. I, it could be. Mm-hmm. I could have thought that voice was somebody else because mm-hmm. it's in Swedish. So I don't know. But I don't think that there was a narrator. But speaking about being bad about stuff, Maria is terrible at affairs. <laughs> she might be the worst. <laughs> it would have been very easy to say nothing, but she won't shut up about the doctor. Mm-hmm. I right. guess that's her tell. Well, I mean, can you blame her? Look right. At him. No. Look at him. <laughs> Those glasses, that vest. <laughs> Oof. Uh, yeah. The way he eats. It's the way, the way he way scarf that food. Scarf that food looking into the distance. Yeah. And then, then then got close to her face and told her she was full of shit, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Really dramatic I mean, fashion and talked about how she's aged and she looks like shit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, damn, you are negging me into wanting this so hard. Yeah. But that might but be t- her kink. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. As we've learned in this month, Uh everyone's got a different kink. And uh, we have to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Why do all the saddies, why are they always about sex? They have a lot of sex in it. (laughs) Man. Whew. Man. Um, Whoo-wee. (laughs) Whoo-wee. I don't like that. (laughs) Speaking of uh, Agnes, when she dies... Do you think this, which one do you think is the cause that the doctor didn't stop by enough for a bite to eat or that Anna didn't snuggle her enough to her bosom? Which one do you think it was? What do you think finally caused it? Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's number three. It's that she had a story read to her. Nobody, <laughs> no adult wants a she story read to them. Nobody. I'm out. Because out. you're going to put your own little voices in there and you're going to read it a different way than you would read it. And I'm, look, I love audiobooks and I listen to them a lot, but I hate when people try to read me a story. Like, don't read me the story. Let me, I can read myself or I don't want to listen to you read it because you're going to add your own inflections and add your personality and nobody wants that. No adult <laughs> wants that. And I think she was like, that's it. I'm done with you. You won't give me a hug. You won't touch my face the way that I like my face to be touched. And I want, I'm tired of hearing you read me these stories. So what you're saying is that you like a story read to you, but by a narrating professional. Yes, someone I don't know. <laughs> and her sisters are not professional narrators, so quit reading me a fucking story. Right. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Take me, cancer. <laughs> but Erica, what was your thought? I thought she died from having a chill from that bed bath. <laughs> Ooh. They just stripped her down and started giving her that bed bath, and they didn't even really dry her off. They put the nightgown on her when she was still wet. You know what? I'm I'm skipping to my favorite scene because we're talking about the scene so much. That's actually my favorite scene, and I get <laughs> exactly bath? what you're talking about. It's and I'll tell you why because it's the only scene where they're actually nice to one another. They don't. They're not nice to one another no, in no, any no, way, no. and they never take care of her. They don't do anything for her. I'm They're gonna, just like I, sitting around taking shifts of sleeping outside her bedroom, trying to s- steal away from the odor that's ruminating out of this room <laughs> of death. And they're like, it's the one time they actually are nice and kind to her. And I was like, oh, well, this is at least something. This is, uh, you know, we've got like, there's a nice thing happening here, which hasn't really happened. 
And then to be the most dramatic one in the room, she takes a little sip of water and then tries to make herself puke <laughs> because she doesn't want to let a single moment go by without yeah. a little bit of drama. So, well, that's yeah. Also, they are completely neglecting that piano that's sitting in the room. I mean, if you're yeah. going to be sitting around for days on end in your chateau waiting for your sister to die, crush Fear de Lise. Like, learn how to play that <laughs> from forwards and backwards, okay? Well, you know who, yeah, and somebody should have been doing that. And you know who it was? Anna. <laughs> of course. Why aren't you also getting me things to drink and my meals and mm-hmm. taking care of my dying sister and learning piano mm-hmm. for my entertainment. When you're done taking off my clothes, go play the piano, Anna. <laughs> Jeez. God, Anna. But I'll have to say, I got to say, Ryan, uh, there is one more scene where they all get along. Uh, and it's my favorite scene, which is <gasps> when they prepare Agnes's body before the visitation and the last rites. And it is a very touching scene where they addressed her nightgown, they adjust her legs, they put her arms into a, you know, a nice sort of praying fashion across her chest and make make the bedspread look like it's been perfect and like everything is perfect. And I thought that was, you know, in a moment that she's just died and they're trying to grapple with that. They're also like, hold on, we've got to make her look the best that we can before other people show up, which they inevitably are going to. And I thought that was a really touching but scene. clearly they didn't fluff the pillows because she can't truly go to sleep and go on to the next phase because she returns mm-hmm. in the last 20 minutes. Again, in true dramatic fashion, <laughs> she lets everybody think that she's dead and then she pops up and tries to grab onto somebody. So, last laugh. My favorite scene is very different. Hmm. My favorite scene, as I've already hinted at, is the battle of who's the most dramatic in the relationship when the husband stabs himself at his desk and the wife walks in and in the doorway watches him stab himself fall to the chair turn to her put his hand out and say help me and she just goes no and turns around and leaves i was like what? <laughs> yes. That's Maria's terrific. department in terms of being the dramatic Yes. One. She yeah. was like, you will not out You will not out dramatize. You will not out dramatic. You will not. You will not out drama me. You will not out drama me. There it is. You will not. Not today. Stab yourself all you yeah. want. Not you got to think that character, when she did that, he would be like, I had not thought of that option. Yeah. <laughs> I should have thought this I thought through. she would cry or get upset or scream. She I never considered no. a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. Now, name. considering we know the lascivious nature of the doctor, was that just the husband trying, sort of doing a mercy call of having her maybe contact the doctor to come over and take care of him? Maybe that was the way he bedded the doctor. He's like, stitch me up and give me a little kissy. I I see there's still some peanut brittle in that package. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he needs a bite. I was just handed the box of peanut brittle and I thought I'd stab myself and give you a call. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie has an unusual amount of peanut brittle talk uh, this episode. I wasn't expecting that. It feels appropriate for this movie. Um, the other, there's another big scene that is clearly none of our favorite scenes that uh, happens in this movie, which was not our favorite, but is certainly the most metal. 
And it happens to Karen, who's played by Ingrid Thulin, who's another Bergman regular who's who it started with him, I think, in the 1950s. That is crazy. Crazy sweets. And she's the one pointing out the web of lies. So if that's the 20 minutes that Bergman was talking about, he certainly didn't want. That's not the first movement, but that's what we get into. She's the one living in a web of lies, I guess, with her husband, mm-hmm. who is uh, who. Do, he does like his salmon. He does. We he also eats fast. Salmon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because he's got, I don't know, something to do? Does he, I don't know. Well, I, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. But there's a uh, crazy scene that happens there mm-hmm. that involves a piece of glass and a vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and my only question about this scene is, at what point does he call Anna to clean all that up? <laughs> I mean, when did that happen? Because it happened. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Anna had to come into that room and went, oh, fuck. And he's like, yes, Anna, clean this up now, please. Mm-hmm. And, it, oh, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. He had the same reaction as... Uh, as the other wife, what's the other wife's name? Maria. Maria. The other wife. The are, wait, are is Karen in a? <laughs> Karen is the one. With She's, is she in a thrupper? The blonde one. Karen and Maria then do go into a massive face touching scene after yes. this. Yes. But Karen is the blonde one, right? The sort of no, reddish. Maria is the reddish haired, yeah, strawberry yeah. haired. That's Car- Maria. That's Karen. Karen. Oh, yeah. Karen. Right. Yeah. Oh, Karen's Karen. the one with the glasses, yeah. and she's that's right. And, yes. and the glass in her. And the glass. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She likes glasses in glass. Mm-hmm. I think her husband had a similar reaction where she does this, it harms herself, and he's just like, hmm. He has no reaction. Right, right. He also has no reaction. He's essentially like, no. You're, you can't out-drama me. You can't out-drama me. <laughs> and you have gone to an extreme An extreme. <laughs> and you can't, you won't shake me. Not today. And that's just a moment I didn't see coming in this movie. And the other yeah. moment I don't see coming is when Agnes returns mm-hmm. from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Uh... In a dream sequence. I don't know if it's a dream sequence, though. It is a dream sequence. It, it is What's a shared dream? They can't talk. Were they all jumping in the same dream, like, like fucking dream but warriors? But remember, you can't, she can't hear them, and <laughs> yes, like, just like, Ryan, this is a precursor to the dream warriors. This Heather Langenkamp's got... just getting them all into the same dream. <laughs> this is where pre, the, the plot for dream warriors came from, was <laughs> whispers and lies, um, or cries. Um, but... <laughs> Here's I want to back up really first to Karen. The thing that I thought about when No, that we're only going forward. Is, no, this movie showed me. You can go backwards and forwards as many backwards, times. Backwards, forwards, backwards, no. forwards. And you don't even have to explain yourself. Up, but down, she, around, fade she out. She does this incredibly <laughs> graphic thing to her to her nether regions. Yeah. To prevent to I don't know, turn off her husband, to disgust him, to so he doesn't try to get amorous with her I, I right yeah, I, yeah which made me at first i thought man you couldn't have thought of anything else and then i thought think about how many things she's exhausted 
that he was like, <laughs> right. I can get past this. He's like, like completely no <laughs> shitting herself. Yeah. Mid, mid sex. And right. he's yeah, like, that's well, insane. well, the drama, the drama <laughs> that that's where she's at now. Where did she start? <laughs> yeah. Where yes. did she start? Where he was like, that doesn't face me. I'm kind of into yeah. it actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's fine with a lot. Clearly. Cause he, he greeted right. that with like essentially a, uh, a very quiet sigh. Yeah. Just he's like, just like, he's all this bitch. He's just like, he's Shit. like, so not tonight is what I, I yeah. understand. Right. Okay. Is that so just, so I got to go into one of the other bedrooms and sleep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's how you wanted and, to do it. And you coming in. Anna, here? Anna, Anna, let's get, get in here. here. Yeah. We need you to clean up. Oh, you want a raise, Anna? How dare you? Uh, You're young and you'll be fine. Which is what they say to her. I know. I know. Poor she's Anna. She's young and she'll be fine. By the way, Anna's played by Carrie Silwan, who's a newcomer to Bergman's repertoire. He's she's not. Uh, she's mentioned as a friend in the in the trailer, but this was her first movie with Bergman. She was originally like a, a, dan- a dancer, and she only appears in one more of his films, and then basically she moves on. She eventually like helps run uh, the College of Dance in Stockholm hmm. for many years. And originally, Bergman actually was hoping to cast uh, Mia Farrow in this role. That's who he wanted to cast. And I'm not sure why that never went through or not. But that's in the book. He mentions it, that he's like, I think I'll cast Mia Farrow. It should probably work. That should probably work out. Why not? I think the actress that played Anna did. Like, she's the most interesting character for me to watch. For sure. She's great. She's great. Yeah, I think she does a good job. And poor Poor lady's got nothing but the fucking short end of the stick to deal with, you know, <laughs> or the bloody side of the bed, depending on. <laughs> oh, maybe Mia Farrow didn't take it because she doesn't speak Swedish. That like, could be. Is that was that a requirement? I don't know. I mean, he had just come off of a movie where this is obviously all stuff that he had he'd written like in process or before he had written the movie. So, and he had just created a movie, uh, you know. The Touch, which was his English language movie that was partially financed, I think, by ABC Pictures. So, you know, he might be thinking, am I going to do this partly in English, partly in Swedish or whatever, you know? Wait, what character did he want her to be? He wanted her to be Anna, the maid. That's who he saw Mia Farrow as. Now, you got to think Mia Farrow, this is her essentially just past Rosemary's baby, essentially. So that's the Mia Farrow that he's thinking of. Yeah, no. I mean, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Who's more dramatic now, Ingmar? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing seems more dramatic than talking about things we loved and things we hated. All right, we're gonna talk about the things we loved and the things we hated about cries and whispers. Mark, what's something that you loved? Uh, I will say the cinematography was something I really loved. And I, this movie, as we have stated ad nauseum at this point, it it jumps around. There's a lot of question marks. There's a ton of drama. Mm. But it's also, it takes its time, which can be a plus or minus, depending on which side of the fence you're on. But the scenes slowly unfold. There's a lot of silence. I couldn't help but think that if this movie was shot today or if you wanted to make this movie under today's sort of like modern film pacing, 
this movie would be about 30 minutes from start to finish because yeah. there's just yeah. a lot of just watching people not really do anything, but it's beautifully shot. And for me, it, I was, it, I was enjoying watching it because there's a lot of nice camera movement. There's a lot of nice set pieces. They don't, they are in no hurry to get people talking in these scenes, but nope. it's, but it's incredible to watch because you're like, what patience you have from an editing standpoint, from a cinematography standpoint to just be like, take your time. You guys are, everyone in this movie is deep in thought. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. let's let that roll. Let's yeah. see how long yeah. we can take this. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. 40 days. They 40. Spent. 40 days they spent shooting this movie. That's wow. a lot of, that's, that is, you're really steeped in that drama for that's 40 too days. many days. That's a lot. That's no. a lot. No. <laughs> Erica, what is something that you love? No. <laughs> no, Ryan. No. No answer. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. No. Not today. You, won't, you nope. won't trick me. You won't pull me into this. There was nothing that I loved. Oh, about this. wow. Wow. It was short, I guess. That was pretty that was pretty decent. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It could have gone on for two hours. Yeah. You could you could have seen it's yeah. not. It's a pretty tight ninety, but yeah. uh yeah, you could see that they could have been like, let's push it. Let's push it for two. Yeah. Uh, something I loved I is the part that we're, we, we may be in a disagreement about, but when Agnes comes back, that's just, that was the part outside of the very metal scene with Karen. Uh, the scene when, when Agnes comes back, I was like, well, okay. I didn't see this <laughs> happening. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely, when you start out a movie with just a woman writhing in bed in pain, you're like, okay. And the movie more or less sticks by that. You know, it's like, yeah, this is a saddie. You're in June gloom. <laughs> this, this is what we've all signed on for. This is uh, a movie uh, about pain and about people not getting along or people, people not knowing how to communicate. It's just sad. It's a saddie. So when she came back from the dead, so what did you love? Get- so, okay. When <laughs> she, when she comes back to the from the dead, I was like, okay. I mean, I I knew about pain, I knew suffering, lies, broken relationships. I was not prepared for a ghosting. I was not prepared. <laughs> but I don't think for- she was dead. I don't think she was dead. That doctor sucked. <laughs> she was just finally in, asleep, and then so, he's like, "We're good to go." And then so he leaves, says he's dead. They come in and fix the bed. The yeah. priest comes in, gives last rites. They all walk out of the room, and she goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh man. Oh, I'm tied a little tight in here, guys. Yeah. I can really use some water. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I just think he did a shitty job of confirming she had. They're like, yeah. yeah nope, just, no. No. You know what they should have nope, done? You don't not, need to come back. No, it, it's gonna no, happen in a couple days. It's gonna happen in a couple days. Already taken. You gotta go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always touching. <laughs> right. You can't stay. He was. He's just looking for a room. Is that was that her? Can I stick around? Can I stay here for a couple days and wait until it really happens? Yeah, no, no, thing. sorry. No, 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 sir. No, 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 sir. Yeah. We're gonna count this one mm-hmm. and just when it really happens, you don't have to come back because you did it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't a ghost. She was just asleep. Everyone wants to stay at this house. The town's just like, ooh, I hope I get invited some shit in that house so I can stay the night. 
<laughs> oh, oh, um, there's also a, something that Bergman said here in the book here related. You really want to save those crazy Swedes. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, where he says, I believe that the film or whatever it is. I'm with you on that oh, one, Berg. He doesn't even know. Consists of this poem. A human being dies, but, as in a nightmare, gets stuck halfway through and pleads for tenderness, mercy, deliverance, something. Two other human beings are there, and their actions, their thoughts, are in relation to the dead, not dead, dead. Crazy Swedes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so see? She wasn't dead. She was stuck. That's what I thought it was too. Should I Mark wants to think it's a dream time. sequence. I, I think it's a dream I sequence. Sh- that that's that by they're whispering, they can't hear each other. It's just a it's it's a, it's a dream. I think I you think have some really weird dreams. In my dreams, I'm just like floating in a hot air balloon of cotton candy, <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, you're all those whispers. Somebody's coming back to life, and I'm like, Wee candy, I can fly. <laughs> the reality is my dreams are mostly around being at the airport and realizing I left my ID at home and panicking. <laughs> so that's, in fact, that was my dream last night. So, okay. Oh. Well, yeah. Sounds, as as you said cool. in our St. Jack episode, you did travel all the way to Germany and lose your phone. So you, these are... <laughs> Within minutes, yeah. So this, was, these are very real fears that you are yeah, that are keeping yep. literally keeping you awake. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, let's switch to things we hated. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Erica might have a whole lot. She may not say Whee! no on this one. Mark, let's start with you. What's something you hated? I don't know if it's something that I hated, but in the scene where uh, um, Maria and Karen sort of make up. After Karen basically tells Maria that she hates her and has to yeah. had to live with yeah. all this pent up resentment, there was there's just an unusual amount of face touching mm-hmm. and kissing. Yeah, yeah. And I it thought, I, I thought, is there, is this a, is this a Swedish thing? That, this is like, this, this is, is that's how, how sisters... you mean the way that you and I greet each other. <laughs> The new way, your new way, as brothers, <laughs> we just get we just touch each other's faces. Give us gives just, a little gives a little pecks, <laughs> little pecks and touching faces. I just was like, this this would have been a good time for that VO guy to come back right. and sort of explain sure. what's happening right now because yeah. right. I was very concerned. But he was asleep in a bedroom in the house. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he, he scrubbed up bed. his meal. <laughs> he so comfortable. Just that is asking so Anna for some more salmon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't like the face touching. No. What about? What about when Maria got close to him while he was close? To I don't the like that either. I don't like when people watch me. Uh, they don't. I don't like it when people watch me eat. I don't like when people watch me open presents. I don't like when people watch me sleep. And a lot of that, <laughs> except for the presents, happens in this movie, and it bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I can't. Re- I can't so wait like, to remake this, starring Mark. So on, <laughs> it's gonna be a horror movie. So on Christmas, you just collect all your gifts and then you run to another room. And just I, open I, I, I shit you not. If I could, I would, because oh. it's, uh, everyone's just looking at you. I yeah. I refused to spend the night at anyone's house when I was in college because of I. I just don't. I was like. I, people are going to stare at me. Like when people would fall asleep at parties, I would never oh, do that. Right, like, no, 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 right. no, not going to be that everyone guy. Everyone sees you, and everyone not, not yeah. going to be that person going right. home. Right. See, we, I outdrama you because I will sleep 
anywhere <laughs> on a plane, public transit, at a party, someone's house, mid during opening a, movie. a present. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes someone's sometimes just a light gaze could put me to sleep. <laughs> Erica, what is something that you hated? Oh my god, I hated so many things. I also hated that. I also hated the face touching. I thought that really weirded me out. I hated how poorly they bathed her in that bed in that bed bed bath. I know. I was like, they're finally being nice to her. That's they why I was just like, so finally put, just are be they nice. Dry sponge I don't know. For a minute, they then, were like doing a joint activity ugh, that had some kindness no. behind it. I was like, this is a nice break from it you was know, a everyone trying bath. to have sex with a doctor mm-hmm. or you know, treating animals like shit. Bath. They did not address her it's pits. A, no, they did. It's a bad bath. I won't. I I will give you that for they sure. They comb her dry, unwashed hair. Yeah. It was a terrible bath. Yeah. And then they later are like, oh, Anna, she's no good. Well, at least Anna could give a good bath, you know? Like, at least yeah. she could give a good bath. And fun fact about the movie, the actress playing Agnes, um, I'm trying to remember her, now I've moved away. Oh, so the actress playing Agnes, Harriet Anderson, she said on the Blu-ray, she talked about the fact that in order to make her look sickly, they would keep her awake at night. So she would come in like tired. And she said when she sees the film, she sees how tired she is. So they were keeping her up late at night to keep so she wouldn't get a lot of sleep. So she would look tired for 40 days. (laughs) Or they could just let her. Oh, I don't know. Fucking act. She's a fucking actress. Like, Jesus. Hey, add that to the list. Hey, hated that. Bad bath. Bad combing of hair. She's honest. She's legit tired as a human being. I disagree with you guys on the time jumps. I hated the time jumps. I found it disorienting. I didn't like it. It pulled me out of it more than it pulled me in. I just found it irritating and not like, okay, are we in the future? Are we in the past? I didn't care for it I because I don't think it was done. I think they just did it. It just seemed like you figure it out. I'm like, no, you do a little something for me here. Like, just <laughs> d- just give me some kind of North Star to follow. Yeah, there's not a lot this. of guardrails in this. So no. you're kind of like, even the big the scene that we're talking about where Maria and Karen sort of at least come to terms mm-hmm. is a scene that's in silence for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. yeah. We don't actually hear what they say to because each other. Because they're just yeah. talking about bullshit that you wouldn't yeah. care about right. anyway. Right. Like, oh my god, turn, remember then, when you did the you were mm-hmm, the, the spelling mm-hmm. bee and you did such a good job and I mm-hmm. wasn't there for you? You'd be like, oh boy. Stop. But that it. was the thing. It was like, what got them to this point? We never learn why they're at odds. We see that one flashback when they're younger of the mom favored the one daughter over the other. So because of a mom's favoritism, the whole rest of your lives you're fucked and, and competing with each other. She favored Maria and she treated Agnes like shit because she always she said she was always critical. But I so mean, it just we have like works the for some flimsiest, families. the flimsiest amount of backstory. <laughs> no, we I mean, it could be it's there's situations where that really works. But we don't know anything about the husbands, why they married them or why right. they didn't or why they're so unhappy in these marriages. Well, we it's don't... obviously for love. It's obviously for it's obviously for love. I mean, clearly they married out of just nothing but love. I hated it. It was just horrible. <laughs> You're just watching somebody pass away. It was just I don't I don't understand 
and I'm not a cinephile, <laughs> listeners of the podcast. If you've if you've heard any of my reviews thus far, if you're starting with this, you're in for a treat. <laughs> but if you've heard anything up to this point, like I don't know what I'm looking at most of the time. And but to me, it was just this was just a damn mess. I watched it and I'm like, this is just a mess. A and very beautifully constructed. No, but no, very in the sad. doorway, no. <laughs> Not beautifully constructed. What? Because there's a red light every now and then? That's not enough. That's not enough. (laughs) Nope. Not enough. Sorry. Uh, That's funny. I think the thing that I just didn't like was... um, I just didn't like it. You didn't have anyone to root for. This is not a movie of, like... I mean, I guess the people to root for was Agnes, but she's on her way out. We all know that from the jump. According to Erica, the person you're rooting for is the Grim Reaper. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's just death to come for all of them. And, but Agnes, and then I guess Anna, and Anna's just treated like shit. And, Mm -hmm. but she's the only one who like has a heart and gives any amount of a shit. And, yeah. It's 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 hard when you have no one to root for. Yeah. That's why, hard in any movie. And why does Anna stay for twelve years? They treat her like shit. They Everyone's like trying to get shit. into that house. Are you kidding? <laughs> Everyone's trying to get a night in that house, and she stays there all the time. But all you learn about Anna is that her daughter, she's lost her daughter when she's young. Yeah. So that's to it. that shit doctor, and yet right? they were like, "Oh, our sister's dying." We should get that doctor who didn't do anything for your daughter over yeah. here. Who let Anna's daughter just slip away. <laughs> oh that God. wasn't his area of specialty, Ryan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is he a veterinarian? I guess I just don't. Like, who is this? Who He's is a target? piece of ass is what he is. <laughs> He's a rump roast. <laughs> it left me with two questions. Who is the target audience for this movie? Who's mm. like, you know what? For the next 90 plus minutes, I want to just feel sad and agony and anguish. Yeah. Follow up question. Is it fun? Follow up answer. No, it is not. No. From the <laughs> no. door. From the door. No. 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 Uh, okay. Well, we already skipped over favorite scenes. So it's now time for final questions. Ooh. These are our final questions from Cries and Whispers. Is white letters on a red background better than white letters on a black background? <laughs> it's different. <laughs> it's not. I think that question is directed at you, Erica. It's not It's not directed at me. It is not. It is not. Okay. It is not. And unfortunately, I've been spoiled by St. Jack, which we watched before this, mm. which, which had all the names over, you know, panning over the city, panning over Singapore. So sorry, cries and whispers. F. <laughs> and we really went gaga about that shot because we have so much of this. Because somebody just took a second and said, well, what if we just did this? It doesn't take much for that yeah. opening credit sequence for us to go, this is something else. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that was even... At this point, we're suffering from extremely low expectations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but like, even the red, you're like, okay, we got some red, red on we got some white on red. I can hang with this. This because is something new. Because they could have done anything. They could have had it pan over just the room. Empty sure. room. The bed, the piano, mm-hmm. the candle. Anything. Page, someone thumbing through a diary. Someone walking outside on the grounds. Like, they had locations, clearly, that they could just use some footage from. Yeah. Damn, but they didn't. whispers. Ugh. 
What? Not to sound dramatic, but God. <laughs> <sighs> what do you think uh, Aunt Olga's excuse was when she started up her magic lantern and forgot she had left some sexy pics on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that scene. Oh my God, I forgot about that. She's like, kids, gather around. Oops. Oh. <laughs> What would she say? What's her excuse? I was the doctor was doing a checkup. <laughs> yes, blame the doctor because yeah, everyone's like, doctor. "Oh always, shit!" Always. Oh, that reminds me, Anne Olga. Can you hand me the peanut brittle? <laughs> <laughs> really craving peanut brittle. I can't imagine that there are many scenes on the cutting room floor. Probably plenty of reaction shots. I imagine tons of reaction shots, and lots of. Uh, uh, ag- of shots of Agnes writhing in pain. Yes. But not whole scenes. However, I found in uh, Bergman's book a a scene that he describes that I'm like, I this is not in the movie. And boy, would it have been a game changer. Let me read it real quick. There is Amalia, Aunt Amalia, seated on the toilet eating a liver pate sandwich who keeps up an excessively detailed monologue about her digestion her intestines and her stools and she she also must always have the door open in a room at the far end and we hear her screams now and then uh there is beta who is big and round and always nude and lusty and furious and not allowed to go out in this house in these rooms time has ceased to exist but in any event it's grandmother's apartment I don't know what that was. Like if he woke up from a dream and just scribbled that down in a notebook. But uh, would adding this scene, would what would that have done to your experience of watching it? That would have changed everything. Toilet talk? Yeah. Well, someone's just scarfing <laughs> down liver while they're on the toilet? Yeah. That, I don't know. That might be. That's a also changer. very dramatic. That's yeah. really dramatic. For sure. And to For keep sure. the door open to be like, hey, everyone. <laughs> I don't want to be dramatic. I'm just eating my liver on the toilet. We're like, oh, poo-poo. Everybody look at me, but also don't look at me, but look at me. No, no, that kind of changes everything. Yeah. Mark? I I agree. I think that's, uh, it's a flex move. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You're basically saying, Mm -hmm. um, I have... I have really no self-esteem at this point and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also have so much self-esteem that I'm going to draw you all into my world. Yeah. Uh, come into my world. But also, I mean, my, stand back my, because it's, it smells terrible. My story my is world. so important. <laughs> even taking a shit won't stop me from telling it. <laughs> right. Right. But it, isn't it also in a way, isn't it also in a way a commentary on the pate? Where she's like, I'm eating this on the toilet because I want this shit to go right through me. <laughs> I don't. I eat your pate while I shit it out. Uh, let's dive into some research. We do have a good amount of research here for Cries and Whispers, which was funded by Bergman himself. Uh, he actually funded most of the movie with additional funding from the Swedish Film Institute. <laughs> but they regret that one. Uh, well, they funded a lot of his <laughs> movies. They went through their and- receipts and they're like, who gave Bergman money for this? Right. Somebody's like, oopsie. Well, that's, it, it, they, 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 they will be a little upset with him. I'll get to that in a second. <gasps> oh. Harriet Anderson, Ingrid Thulin, Liv Ullman, and Sven Nykvist, they basically invest their fees into the film. 
meaning that whatever share, they get some share of the profits. So if it's a success, they get money. If it's not, they get nothing. And they yeah. spent 40 days being sad for the experience. Um, this is what Bergman has to say about the production in his in his book of images. Here we go. I wrote Cries and Whispers from the end of March until the beginning of June 1971 during an almost hermetic isolation on Faroe Island, which is an island where he lived. At the same time, the drama surrounding Ingrid von Rosen's breakup of her 18-year marriage was taking place. That's the woman uh, he married last. In September, we began shooting the film. In November, when the film was finished, Ingrid and I were married. And they were married for 24 years until she passed. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, he's dealing with that. She's breaking up with her. Uh, her marriage is breaking up. And he's also making a movie with one of the mothers of one of his nine children. So... <laughs> So this is kind of like a memoir because he's a real yeah. drama king too. He is a drama king. Yes. Wow. Very much so. So you're talking about the Swedish Film Institute. Interestingly, they decided to give Bergman money for this film under the condition that they that he shoot this at the newly built Film Huset. So the people that were working there could benefit from the money they were investing in this film. However, then they find this location. And they use that location instead, <laughs> which uh, he says, uh, Bergman says here in his book, when the filming began in the fall of 1971, we had found an ideal location, Toxinga Castle, outside of Maryfred. Inside, totally dil- <laughs> <laughs> Inside, it was totally dilapidated, but there was ample space for everything we needed. Dining room, storage area, technical spaces, location sites, and administration offices. So they basically set up, It's a. it was like an abandoned house in a park, and they set up everything in there. So they had a kitchen where they actually made food for the actors, offices for the people working on the film. And then I think they stayed at a nearby hotel, but they they all stayed and lived Sounds there. Sounds pretty efficient. Sounds like yeah. a, I mean, a wise use of your spend, everything in one place. And it's a great looking place. location. And yeah, but it's not what he was supposed to do. But not what he was He's supposed to boy. do. He's drama king. Yeah. <laughs> so this gets released in America in December of 1972. A Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, nothing. Oh released warms the heart more. 21st of December in New York. Wow. What do you guys want to do after presents? <laughs> Why, go see Cries and Whispers, obviously. <laughs> Not me. I'm Mark. I'm opening my presents once you guys leave. <laughs> oh, don't watch God. me. That would don't be don't a, look that, at me. That would be a dream. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> so for, for New World, this is at the end. So this is at the end of 1972, which follows <laughs> titles like The Women Hunt. And Night of the Cobra Woman. And ends a year where, where New World released Sweet Kill, The Big Bird Cage, Night Called Nurses, and Lady Frankenstein, among others. Sounds like a great year. Can, it is. But considering that lineup, and this is what I think a lot of people who are listening to this podcast maybe don't realize, because a lot of people maybe don't remember this, how does Roger Corman come to be the person to release Cries and Whispers? The first in a string of foreign films that a new world would release. First, we should note that foreign films at this point in time were actually in a declining market. They had taken a huge dip. Part of this is because the rising cost of the films and the the audience was kind of declining. And yet the price of the film rights were getting higher. And also the rise of popular porn films like Behind the Green Door and Deep Throat 
that was taking up some of the art theater circuit. Mm. So some of those theaters that they would normally rent for these art films were now being taken up by porn. Uh, as Corman explains in his autobiography, How I Made 100 Movies in Hollywood and Never Lost a Dime, he says, um, historically, the works of great directors like Bergman, Kurosawa, and Fellini were usually distributed by small companies run by art film aficionados who didn't really have the muscle to market them properly. Uh, take away some of the theaters for long runs in these porn films, and that's the explanation that there's not a whole lot of people around even to release a movie, but nobody was stepping up to buy Cries and Whispers in the United States. And because of the way that it was financed, Bergman was now trying to get a percentage of the money that we're mm. going to need from each of the countries. He was finding no buyers in the U.S. So mm. why did Corman buy it? This is what he explains in his autobiography. Fairly early on, I began oh, to uh -oh. wonder, to worry, the New World Pictures might become too closely associated with exploitation films. I had begun to feel we should move the company in an utterly different direction, the domestic release of art films from the finest directors in the world. See, now, see this, is, this is why I hate when people read stories. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, clearly not a professional, not a professional narrator, so fuck me. Um, <laughs> All due respect to Roger Corman, absolutely love him and have great respect, but this sounds like complete horseshit. Oh, totally. Again, talk about the lineup that they had. You know what? I was releasing uh, Night of the Cobra Woman, and I thought, what about a movie from the finest directors on the planet, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It feels a little erratic. if you can erratic. get it for pennies on the dollar, I mean, I guess, like, why not, okay. right? Sure. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so if this sounds like bullshit, okay, that's fine. In in an oral history of New World Pictures, Volume 1, Barbara Boyle, who would become the COO of New World Pictures, says she got a call from Paul Connor. That was Bergman's agent. He was also an agent for several international directors. And it was Connor that was talking to Corman about possibly distributing the movie. That's her story. However, in my book, Mind Warp, the fantastic true story of Roger Corman's New World Pictures... It says that Frank Moreno, who worked in acquisitions for New World as a sales manager, he screened Cries and Whispers and he bought it right away without notifying Corman. That's the story in this book. Hmm. Ah. Hmm. Corman, meanwhile, says in his autobiography that he is the one who bought it and he bought it during a lunch with Connor and bought it sight unseen. Now, this is slightly corroborated by Julie Corman, who said something similar in another book. And Beverly Gray's autobiography, she was a longtime assistant of Corman. She also corroborates the story, but she says that Corman said he wanted to buy it sight unseen, but Connor insisted on actually screening the movie before he bought it. All right. Before he bought it. Either way, whoever. And that didn't did change it. his mind? Did they, did they show him a different movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> However, it came about, the film ended up in New World's hands for $75,000. Wow. That feels like a deal. Yeah. Wow. And uh, here is actually how they afforded it. This is explained by Barbara Boyle. So um, she knows that Roger likes Ingmar Bergman. She They want to buy this film. Now the question is, she says, how do I get 75000 Because Roger won't put it up. I called Films Inc., which was a non-theatrical distributor in those days based in Illinois. 
they had acquired a bunch of our exploitation movies for shut-ins, hospitals, planes, and all <laughs> kinds of non-theatrical <laughs> venues. Wow. How do you get 75 grand? Shut-ins. <laughs> no cough-up money for anything. <laughs> I asked the head of Film Inc. what he thought of Cries and Whispers and Bergman. He said, we don't really deal with foreign language films very much, but I love Bergman and I'd love to do it. I told him how much we wanted as an advance and he agreed. Then I went to Roger and told him that Paul Connor called and wanted to get Cries and Whispers and about the $75,000 advance. So they're getting the basically all the money they need for that. Yeah. In order to uh, distribute the movie, they are only going to use one print, about $40,000. Basically, after he does this, Roger loves the deal. He says, go and do it again. And Barbara Boyle says, and that's how I managed to acquire 25 of the greatest movies in the world in the 10 years I was there. Huh. Wow. Amazing. Thanks, shut-ins. Thanks, airplanes. <laughs> Thank you, hospitals. <laughs> wow, that is able. amazing. Thank you, non-theatrical I mean, venues. Yep. Like pre, well, pre-VHS, right? So this is, like, that's right. how you did right. it. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so this she opened... She was really scrappy. She, For sure. Barbara Boyle was uh, initially uh, Corman's uh, lawyer. So she is a, his lawyer to start. And then she works on a freelance basis for a couple of years. And then by, I think, 74, she works for the company full time. Wow. And she goes on and works for, like, I think, Orion and a bunch of, like, she went out and had a long career. Hmm. Um, and, and, of course, uh, was COO of New World Pictures at one point. So, hmm. yeah, not a, not a dumb lady. And we'll we'll hear more from her uh, as, as the podcast goes on. Uh, but this opened for, uh, this opened up a big business opportunity. So the other thing about doing this was that, uh, as Boyle was explaining, she explains uh, also in this interview, they didn't have a lot of winter features. And at this point, they're only at the end of 72. So they've only been around for a few years. So they would basically open movies throughout the summer and they would try and get in the spring and fall. But they would kind of be it. So mm-hmm. opening up these foreign films was a way for them to continue to keep movies going year round for New World. And then they would continue to be able to have exchanges and getting money from the distributors because you would have more films to go back to. Mm. Because they didn't also just open up, obviously, this movie in airplanes and for shut-ins. They obviously they also put this movie out in drive-ins, which was something that Bergman was really excited mm. about, apparently. Thought it was really cool that they were actually releasing this movie into drive-ins. God, imagine watching this in your car. Oh, boy. Uh. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> you're not really watching the movie if you get my point. Wink, wink. Oh, you're right. I'm asleep. <laughs> it's the car. It's the car. I'm sound asleep. <laughs> um, I just want to really quickly read a little bit about the premiere that Corbin talks about, but Mark, unfortunately, plug your ears. <laughs> so this is how they premiered the movie, and this is how Corman describes it, and. This book, Crab Monsters, Teenage Cavemen, and Candy Stripe Nurses. To show how we gave it individual attention, we had a premiere in Westwood. Long-stemmed roses were important in the film, and we had some of the young girls in the office dressed in evening gowns to hand out long stem roses to all of the women who attended the premiere. <laughs> oh. 
Did they have like? Were they, did they have? Did like, he red know, paint on their faces too? Did he to know what the, the movie picture? was about? Mm, had he seen? Had he it yet? seen it? He had he seen yeah. it yet? I don't know. Right. Right. A major studio wouldn't think of doing something like that, and a smaller company probably couldn't even afford to buy the roses. I never planned on making any profits on the foreign films. I simply felt that I wanted to help those directors get a greater audience and make a little bit of money. So he was thinking about money. Yeah. Right, I, yeah. <laughs> He's always thinking about money. I mean, yeah, you were definitely thinking about making money. And you already had the cost of acquiring the film already taken care of. So, you know, you knew that whatever you made off of it, you were going to make. But it was a big success, actually, for New World. They did make money on the movie. It was also nominated for five Academy Awards, winning Best Cinematography for Sven Nykvist. Wow. So all well, of a sudden, well. you have New World, who has been was previously releasing Sweet Kill and Lady Frankenstein, and now uh, are, are essentially winning an Academy Award because they they're the company that releases Cries and Whispers in the United States. And I guess we should be happy that they just had those employees handing out flowers and not wine glasses. Right. That yeah. would have been really right. Later. Very true. Right. Right. It's a good point. This is also a big success for, for Bergman. And I would think Nyquist and the actors that invested in the movie. I'm not sure how much money he made. And this is a quote I found from Bergman about the profits. He says this. All I know is that it was like playing a one-armed bandit. I think that maybe that's the is literal that... translation of a slot machine. Okay. You put a coin in the slot, the wheels oh, start, yeah. started spinning, and suddenly three oranges lined up in front of you. Money just gushed out of the machine. Typically it's cherries, but we'll go with oranges on this one. Crazy sweets. <laughs> <laughs> now, interestingly, um, Ingrid, uh, as I was saying, the actress that plays Karen, she uh, invested in this movie as well. And her husband was the guy who started the Swedish Film Institute. So, bit of drama there. And he yeah, makes a ton a of money off of this. <laughs> and not the money they thought they were going to get you know, from it because they were going to hire a bunch of the people that work for the Swedish Film Institute. But then his wife has also got to be making money because she invested <laughs> her. So, awkward. The drama. Awkward. The drama. A lot of On drama. On screen a lot and A lot of off. drama. That's the Ingmar effect. Just drama around all the damn time. This uh, making all this money, though, does get him into a little bit of trouble a few years later. But that is a story for another time when we get to Autumn Sonata. Until then, that is it. That's Cries and Whispers. Wow. We did it. We did it. We did it. The end of June gloom. We did it, guys. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank the Lord. Uh, oh, thank God. And what now a great we can month. we can safely announce <laughs> Mark Hayden. I can just the lay Marvel down movies. and go to sleep. <laughs> a deep, deep sleep. That we will not die from because we will not die. <laughs> we, uh, we can now safely announce though next month we are going to be doing sci-fi July. So mm -hmm. we will be completely shifting in another direction, much yes. like we have this entire year. Going from thrillers to women in prison films to vampire movies to, to Marvel movies to sad films to sci-fi movies. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. If, if you'd like, please leave us a five-star review. Um, you can find out inf all the information, all of our episodes, any articles we have, our t-shirts. You can find them all. NewWorldPicturesPodcast.com. 
Go to that website, find out all that information. We thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about the show if you can. We'd appreciate that. And we'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody.